Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Drop Tim Coffee Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie, and I'm your other host, Tim. And welcome back to Home Roasting Part Numero Two, dude. <laughs> so first I want to say something. Today is our eleventh podcast. It is our eleventh. Yes, we forgot to celebrate our 10th episode. That's because we're so natural. Mm, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, go ahead. We had a plan. We wanted to change things up a little bit. <laughs> and we, Tim and I were practicing this before we recorded the show. We want to give a shout out to our sponsors of the show. And first, we're going to do... Primo Roasting Equipment. equipment. <laughs> yes, Primo Roasting Equipment. They are based in Santa Ana, California. Everything is built and manufactured within the U.S. If you are a roaster looking for a perfect roaster, talk to the guys at Primo Roasting Equipment. Check out their website. Check out the roasters they have. They can work with you, customize your roaster for your needs. PrimoRoastingEquipment.com. We love those guys. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. All right. Now, we get on to our second sponsor. We got Wade Wade Graphic Graphic Designs. Designs. So I want to take this one. Thank you, Rick Wade, for being a great guy. Super, super easy to approach. Great ideas. Super creative. He is responsible for my brand. Thank you, Rick. What's his website? Oh, it's wadegraphicdesign.com. Perfect. So now you know where to go if you need those graphic designs. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Can I give a quick shout-out to uh, Office Evolution as well for letting us use their space? Oh, my gosh. If you guys are in Portland area, you guys have to come to Office Evolution. I mean, seriously, they have this beautiful podcast studio where Tim and I can sit down and record our podcast get hyped up on complimentary coffee, which was roast by Elliot and Murray Coffee Roasters. By the way, good job on the roast. Oh, thank you. We are currently sipping on, I'm sipping on the Woe Dude. And I got the T-Town. Those are both my dark roast blends that I do offer. If you want to check it out, ElliotMurrayCoffee.com. Wink. Wink, wink. All right, so I'll tell you what. I've been so hyped up, but I am not going to hog the microphone. (laughs) I mean, obviously, with our introductions, we are totally hyped on coffee. It was just—it's natural. It's natural. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you do if you have forty pounds of coffee? Drink it. Yes. Hello. Drink it. Drink it. <laughs> just drink it. Just drink it. You know, that's—I think that's the fun part about being a coffee roaster. Like I had this, I brought in this coffee at BCR last week from Flores. By the way, bonus points to anyone that knows where Flores is. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, it's in the Indo-Asian island chain right near Papua New Guinea. And uh, man, it's that good coffee. And boy, does it have some caffeine to it. Woo! Man. Is it just as robust as Robusta? No, no, no. Robusta isn't robust. It's kind of flat. Tastes like tastes like what Folgers. I know. Tastes like Folgers. But it has a higher caffeine content. Well, you know, it's only because they let it sit in a can for God knows how long until it ends up. Well, no, I'm not talking about Folgers. I'm talking about Robusta. Oh, no, 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 no. It, <laughs> no. Um, it is not Robusta or I, Robusta. Robusta, Robusta. 
Busta Rhymes, what? Tomato, tomato. Busta, Busta, what? Busta, Busta. Yeah, that. I don't know. <laughs> that editing is going to be awesome today. Awesome. awesome. Oh. <laughs> so let's go ahead and dive into part two of home roasting. Can I just give a big yoo-hoo, waha, yay? Thank you. Yahoo! <laughs> oh man, I do love home roasting. It Always is. Have. Yeah, it's one of the things that Tim and I, that's basically what fueled our passions, as you heard on the first part of last week's episode. It's really a passion, and we love sharing that passion with other home roasting hobby enthusiasts that are exploring. Yeah, I've so I've heard the word hobbyist referred in this case and i think that's pretty accurate although i'll tell you there are some hobbyists that i consider making this a living i mean there's some really good home roasters well look there. at you and i okay i'll take it <laughs> i'll take it absolutely well this i'm i feel like home roasting is the kind of hobby that can actually change the direction of your life that sounds really extreme it sounds like it's really extreme but personally, I think it really is what happened to me. It, it changed the direction of my life. Yes. Yeah. No. It. I'm on board with you. You know, you and I have a lot in common. And actually, that is definitely it. I never thought that this hobby of roasting a coffee at home would lead me to where I'm at right now as a coffee. Not in a million years. We heard briefly about your personal history, but why don't you relive that? What was the first thing you did when you tried to roast coffee? What was the first method you used? <laughs> I did a cast iron skillet. Oh, boy. that's th That takes a lot of chutzpah. So this was before the popcorn popper because I wasn't quite ready to buy a popcorn popper. I was like, well, I have a cast iron skillet at home, and I'm going to throw these green coffee beans into the cast iron skillet and whisk. Using a cast iron skillet in your house, whisking it for about 12 minutes can make your wrist hurt really, really bad. Um, Carpal tunnel, anybody? It, it, it felt like it. It was getting to that point. No, but I, what I did is I threw in half pound, eight ounces of green coffee beans into the cast iron skillet. You have to preheat it. You can monitor it at 400. I didn't monitor it. I just warmed it up. It was hot, warm to the touch, you know, hot enough where I was like, okay, I'm going to throw the green coffee beans in there. I took my whisk and it was one of those silicone whisks. So it can handle the heat of the cast iron without scraping it. So I went around and around and around and I'm whisking and whisking and whisking. And I saw the changes from green to the brown to the cinnamon stage, like that light brown, and then into the dark roast stage. That was the most inconsistent roast I've ever had, even though I kept agitating it, because you have to agitate the coffee beans as you're roasting. I oppose roasting coffee beans in the oven. Do not do it. It's going to be uneven, and it's going to be roast. By the way, a little trick of the trade, if you're roasting coffee at home, agitation is really important. And she's absolutely right. If you have an uneven roast, you'll end up having a really bitter coffee. It will always be bitter. It's going to be disgusting because yeah. it's undercooked. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's 
considered an agricultural product that you need to fully cook to consume? Well, that and it just tastes better. Yes, it just tastes better. (laughs) So I did the cast iron skillet and then I moved on to the popcorn popper. And then after the popcorn popper, then I went into what I thought was the big leaks. I went into an air roasting machine. I had a Sono Fresco one pound roasting machine. So that type of machine, I found that for about 1200 bucks on eBay. Some dude in North Dakota had it. He shipped it over to my house and it was air roasting. The Sono Fresco machine, I have a love-hate relationship with that. It's definitely a good machine to experiment with air roasting. I have no issues with air roasting whatsoever. You get to see in the chamber because the chamber is glass. You kind of see how it circulates with the air roasting. So when I talk about air roasting, traditionally you have a commercial drum roaster that you and I use, and you have a drum that circulates the beans and there's uh, little wedges inside that agitate the beans and spins. And then there's the burners at the bottom. Anyway, with air roasting, you're actually pushing hot air through this chamber. And that is what's roasting the coffee beans. What was great about the Sono Fresco is that it really had me engaged in watching the beans. And as it's going through the roasting process, I wrote down my times. I wrote down the temperatures. I had the variables where I can adjust the temperature and I can adjust the timing on it. What I wasn't a huge fan of when it came to the Sono Fresco was the error codes that popped up. On the Sono Fresco machine, you had different error codes that would happen because I was running my Sono Fresco using a propane tank. So the fuel that I was using was propane. And as I ran the line, there would be error codes in the middle of my roast that would say I ran out of propane. And there were times where the propane tank was completely filled. It was fine because that Sono Fresco does not drain out a whole gas tank of uh, propane. So sometimes that machine just would randomly shut off a roast in the middle of me roasting. It was really frustrating. I eventually got rid of that, but uh, it was a fun little machine to learn on. And so those, those were kind of the steps of starting out with the cast iron, popcorn machine, Sono Fresco, and then into the big commercial roaster where I learned how to roast on a uh, 12 kilogram pro bat roaster over at uh, Mr. Green Beans in uh, Portland. May I add on to that? Yeah. So a couple of things about the Sono Fresco. First, I can think of eight different roasters right now that use the one pound as a sample roaster. What we generally do, we'll get samples from green coffee uh, suppliers to try what their coffees are like. And usually they'll send us something between, say, 200 grams and 500 grams of coffee, somewhere between roughly a quarter pound to a pound. So having a, a one pound roaster is super helpful. But it sounds like you were using an older version. I was. Oh, okay. All right. That's what it was. It was an older version of the Sun Fresco. So there were just like so many safety codes that were on it. And it, yeah. That's the other thing. We all can talk about going on eBay, but I'm going to warn against that. I mean, honestly, if you if you go and do that for a piece of equipment that you might actually use to roast coffee... 
it isn't a bad idea to buy it new if you can afford it. If someone told me way back when, when I was shopping for a bigger roaster, like that one pound son of Fresco, someone told me, don't buy it on eBay, go here. I probably would have listened. Uh, eBay is definitely risky. It is definitely risky when you're buying used roasting equipment on eBay and green coffee, like we touched base on on the first episode. So just be wary of what you purchase on eBay. That's all we're saying. Yeah, you don't get many guarantees with eBay. Well, you know, my story was similar, although a little different. I'll tell you a little secret. I have never used a cast iron skillet. I've never used it. What I started on was uh, was one of those popcorn poppers. What I didn't realize is that the regulator, yes, the regulator, all popcorn poppers have a regulator, cannot take use after use after use. So you can only put about 100 grams of coffee in there, which is barely enough really to make a cup of coffee. So if you want to make two cups of coffee, you have to run it twice. I really did set two of those on fire. Like we got flames coming out of them. Like, you know, like I didn't realize that there was chaff. Chaff is the silver skin on your raw, raw green coffee bean that will actually come off as you roast the coffee. Uh, scientifically, the bean's getting bigger than the skin, and the skin pops off. Right, it separates during the roasting process. Yeah, that's the other part about this is when you're roasting at home, the things to be careful of are the chaff, which is highly flammable and will get all over the place, the smoke, because it really is a carcinogen. If you're not careful, you can actually make yourself ill by doing it. So be careful to, to everybody that's out there, but also the consistency. What what I really had fun with, the thing that I did that nobody else has been doing is I used a 1,500-watt hair dryer and chicken wire. You talked about that, uh, not the last episode, but we talked yeah. about that before in the previous episode, yeah. Yeah, the, the thing about doing that is you can actually see everything and you need to get a fine enough wire mesh to be able to keep all the beans in otherwise they go shooting across the room obviously but the thing that's really fun about that is shooting chaff in the air and all over the place (laughs) yeah yeah like yeah yeah like it goes everywhere no it really does i remember when i roasted on the cast iron skillet in my house i knew that there was going to be smoke, but I didn't estimate how much smoke. <laughs> I underestimated mm-hmm. how much smoke was going to be produced in my kitchen. And when my husband walked in, he was like, what the hell? <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm roasting coffee, babe. And he's like, what? Open up the goddamn windows. It's, <laughs> it's like a fire in here. It, it, was, it was a lot for an eight-ounce amount of green coffee beans in this cast iron skillet if you're going to do any home roasting with a popcorn machine a cast iron skillet do it in the backyard do it outdoors you'll have chaff flying all over the place i got it in my hair i got it all over my clothes everything just do it outside and by the way i have to say chaff is actually really good for your plants because it's packed with nitrogen so it helps your plants grow so go in the backyard go somewhere that is open air roast away and let the chaff blow like let it go it'll it'll help a tree or a plant along the way yeah uh, we've uh 
we found people that are really excited about getting to chaff. We actually give our chaff away pretty regularly, and it'll help things, especially uh, plants that have higher acidity, like berries and roses. So it'll help those things for sure. Um, honestly, chaff is a byproduct that we can all use. I think it's better for the environment to do that. I think it can actually help everything in your in your garden. The thing that I did, though, just getting back to that hot air popcorn popper and the and the hair dryer. The thing that I realized after not very long is that I needed more coffee to be able to drink at home. So eventually, I looked for something that could do rated at a pound i'll tell you a little secret you really don't want to do a pound in a machine that says one pound you'll burn the outsides of the beans that won't get done on the inside and generally you need some room for agitation on those things right because you're hitting the maximum point of that and so you're not going to allow that circulation of airflow so i agree with you on that and just like a, a commercial roaster or any any device that you use to roast coffee at home there's a certain limitation so if it says one pound you better bring it down a notch for what i'm doing to kind of give a relation when one of my favorite home roasters personally uh is the hot top i've used both the computerized and the non-computerized versions and the non-computerized version just made me really sharp and pay attention to things I'm a big fan of that device. The thing I don't like is the price, because right now those things will go about 1300 bucks new. It's expensive. And if you get the one that's more expensive, it's 1800 bucks for, for a bunch of computerized sides, which are great, don't get me wrong. Like you can use that, it's a great tool, but 1800 bucks is a big spend for that. That hot top, however, moved me into a place where I could start registering and recording temperatures, being able to tell roasting times, understanding what the difference was between first and second crack, and training those things so we could get to the point where the coffee tasted good too. That thing really was a good tool. Right now, though, and I have to give a big shout out, what we're doing at the roastery be able to sample is we're using something called a popper. I have to give credit to the popper. This is a really nice product, and you can get into this really inexpensively. It's less than a hundred bucks. It is. It's. I wish it was around when we had it. It's something that's newly released from uh, Sweet Maria's, and they just came out with it a few months ago. And we had to get our hands on it because yeah. it was cool. You actually went and you bought it on the website. You brought it into the shop. You were so happy. And it was really cool to kind of like home back into like back into that hobbyist stage and roasting yeah. on a popcorn popper. That was really cool. It was really cool. And I got to tell you, Sweet Maria's too, absolutely made a great product there. It's you, a great way. It is. Uh, you got the variables product. on it. You can control the heat. You can control the fan. Uh, there's a cooling tray to it. It is a, a popcorn, air popcorn machine on steroids. So if you're really want to get into that that is actually a great starting point i was really impressed actually because the flavor of the coffee can change based on how you're roasting it and what method you're using it it can be noticeable the thing about this popper is that the flavor profiling came out the same so we put 
200 grams into this device and then all of a sudden we were able to transfer that directly into a roaster and do a 20 pound roast and get the same effective end result that i was amazed by that i was amazed by that yeah it's a really great device now we talked about the hot top at that price point the higher end price point we talked about the popper just now we're talking about more the lower end and of course the sono fresco but Let's talk about the middle, the middle range pop. So you have the Be More and the Genie. Have you had experience with the Genie? Because I've never used the Genie. I haven't used the Genie. The Fresh Roast. The Fresh Roast, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things about the that I can tell you in the medium range is the Fresh Roast, which is actually another version of a hot air popcorn popper, but it really is designed to take more coffee and to be able to make more coffee. So you can do a couple of roasts in a row and not have to worry about the downside of potentially creating a fire. That product is somewhere between $200 and $400, depending on the goodies that you get with it. It's a nice product. It's great if you don't plan to become a professional. It's something you can actually enjoy doing. It smells great, and I have experience with that. I don't have any experience with the Husky, but that falls into that territory as well. And we've heard some mixed reviews on that, but I don't have any personal experience on the Husky. Yeah, I don't have any personal experience with the Husky, and I don't have any experience with the Genie itself. or the. Fr- I've never even used a Fresh Fruit. The only one out of all, the Midway one, was the Be More. I got the Be More, which looks like a confection oven. Yes. And you open it up, and there's like a rotisserie-style uh, drum that's inside. So that's what the B-more is. And the B-more, you can get that for around 400 bucks, brand new, four or $500. So you, so I actually got the B-more when we opened up the space at Drop Temp because we needed a sample roaster, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll buy a B-more. Uh, I played with the B-more, and man... I don't like it. Well, I don't. Uh, I yeah. I tried to love it, but there were a couple of issues that I had with it. Number one is that you have to be next to the machine, and you got to press a button to let the be more know that you're present because there's a safety feature. Will shut down the roast if you're not pressing the buttons, which I find a little bit annoying. Um, I know that they've made some changes on that recently. That was one thing that annoyed me because I had to literally sit there and pressing the button for every one to two, like, I don't know, every two to three minutes to let the machine know, hey, I'm here, keep roasting. And also the cool down process with the Be More was also a pain because you do have a cooling cycle that happens once you achieve the roast that you want to get at, but it doesn't cool down quick enough. And because of that, that roast is still continuing on, it's going to overcook your roast. So I have to open up the door and literally have to cool it down during the cool down process. It's something that it was a little bit finicky. Did it produce a great roast though? Yes, absolutely. It it totally did. It's just, you have to be very, very attentive with the B-more. I, I didn't like the B-more. And I'll tell you why. It was inconsistent. You could weigh the exact same amount of beans, but if you had a bean that was more dense than another, it didn't work as well. And even with a newer model, because the newer models are better, you can set a certain color to them. 
it's not something I think fits into a professional environment. I just don't think it does a good job. It does do a good job if you're at home and you want to go with one roast and figure it out from there. But the same thing's true. In our environment, we might get, what, five, six, eight samples. And we have a lot of other things we're doing, so we want to be able to do roasting of those samples and taste them appropriately. It takes time to do these things. And that's that's why to anybody that might be using a Beemore, there are several fix fixes you can find online, YouTube. You can certainly go by all of those. There are some great ideas. There are great home roasters that are using Beemore. I'm not a hater. It's just not my number no, one. No, I agree. I'm not a hater either. It's just, it's for I don't know, for me, it's like, it's something that if you're at home, you need to roast up coffee for the house or something, and you have the day off, you want to roast coffee? Like, absolutely. Or if you are just spending the time to get to know the roast or learning about the roasting process and you're attentive to it, yeah. I'm not hating on the safety features. I think the safety features are important. I want to clear that up. Safety features are really important on these machines, because it prevents fires from happening. But for me, it's just, you know, it, it's... It's, like, I, it's irritating. I, it's it's a little bit annoying, but I understand yeah. why the manufacturers have those in place, and I get it. It's just I have to be really, really attentive to it. It's not like I, you know, put a roast in and walk away or anything, but, you know, pressing a button there every two to three minutes to tell a machine, like, hey, I'm here, it's a little bit annoying. I think... I think that might be a good segue into talking about how to go from those smaller roasters into the ultra high end and then beginning commercial, right? Like we've seen the bullet. Have you seen the bullet? I've seen the bullet, yeah. And the bullet's pretty, it's first, it's really sexy. I'm not going to lie. There are a couple of different places out there that will allow you uh, to use the bullet so go out and ask if you find out the people with co-ops you want to go talk about the bullet um it does it's supposed to do a great job it's got some very interesting features to it like being able to run on propane without changing jets to everybody who doesn't know if you're using natural gas that's the way most roasters are roasting it doesn't take as much natural gas to create a hotter flame if you're using propane, it's a cooler flame. It can take longer to roast coffee. And this is something that people don't realize. It can actually take longer. Today, for instance, I went to the Probat. We are using a Probat 12K at the moment until we complete the install of that Primo. I can't wait to get that Primo going. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm just so excited By about By the way, we that. got traction on that Primo. Yeah, it looks like it might be three weeks. Woo! We're pretty excited. By the way, we might actually have to do a broadcast there. We might do a podcast out of there. <laughs> That'd be great. You just stick my head inside the Primo and like listen no. to it run. No. But to, okay. No. But going on with the Probat though. Um, so when you use a big commercial roaster, everything gets bigger, and I don't mean just the size of the machine. The expectations of the coffee gets bigger. People who roast on a machine. Even a two kilogram machine are stepping into commercial. They're going from home roasting into commercial. There are some great two kilogram machines out there. There are hot air ones, there are electric ones, so you don't need gas. 
By the way, the downside of electric is that they take forever to cool off. But there are also gas, natural gas. For a long time, I used an Ambex YM2 to Ambex's credit. That was a fantastic machine, really easy to use. And we ran our business on it for almost two, almost two full years. So, I mean, it, it, pretty dependable machine. That machine, by the way, from Ambex can run about seven grand. So we start talking about commercial. Everybody's more than welcome to buy whatever machine that they like. This is just our experience and our recommendations we're basing off of. Of what we do and how we've done it. And our experience of how we use the machine, definitely. Off subject for a moment. Last week, we ran into a situation where we needed to use a roaster with a bigger capacity. Our friends over at World Cup Coffee, particularly Dan Welsh and his crew, uh, Kevin and Chris, hey guys, they were nice enough to let me use a Civets, which is a hot air roaster on a, a large scale. You could do 30 pounds of it. I hadn't used one of these machines, and it was pretty easy to adapt to. But what's really funny about hot air popping is it's limited because you have to do exactly the same weight in each and every roast. In this case, I had to do 30 pounds at a time, which is a significant amount of coffee. The results were great. I think you can become an amazing roaster on any method that you use on any machine that you decide to buy. It takes practice, it takes focus, it takes a little experimentation. Yeah, honestly, that bullet is pretty sexy though, I'm not gonna lie. That's that's pretty oh, awesome. Well, yeah, the Elio, <laughs> the Elio is definitely something and one of these days we'll have it in the shop, but they are definitely spendy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it was like thirty-eight hundred, four $4,000, something like that. that. And it's like, you think to yourself as a roaster, man, I could buy like six bags of coffee with that amount of money that I would spend on the alien. Six, I mean, maybe eight. Maybe. Something. 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 Who knew? Yeah, exactly. So we kind of touched base on the the starters like the popper we kind of talked about the mid-size kind of home roasting and then we kind of dabbled into a little bit of bigger side kind of slash commercial so we talked about the machines but let's kind of dive into people who are like if i'm going to throw these green coffees in here what am I going to look for? What is the process from green to I brown? I think that's a great idea. So it's kind of like we're going into more of roasting theory. Okay. So the simple theory behind roasting is that you take a coffee that is uncooked and you want to transition it through heating it to a point where you can find the maximum flavor, the style of coffee roasting that you like. That's the basic theory. The acts in the middle of that, the things, the actions that you take in the middle of that can determine how successful you are. One of the things I say for sure is that you want a machine where you can see the coffee. If you can watch the coffee develop through clear glass, I think that always works better because it can show you each step of the way. Even in a popcorn popper, you can see that transition happening and like a sono fresco you can see that transition happening and even a fresh uh what is it fresh roast yeah you see that because they all either have that clear glass that heat tube where the popcorn popper you can just look into the cylinder right so one of the things is that you be 
roasting coffee. Now, when we talk about like the temperatures, there, it is variable depending on what you use. Uh, but it also depends on what roast you're going to try to achieve because it's like commercial roasting. Like, let's say I'm trying to achieve a dark roast on a Diedrich. I would have to roast to 450 degrees. Okay, no, no, not 450 degrees, but like mm. around 430. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if I wanted to achieve a roast on, let's say, a Diedrich machine, I would have to hit 430 degrees to achieve a dark roast, where if I roasted on the Probat, I would need to hit about four. Uh, let's see, about 425. So the variables are definitely different. And then again, you know, a question, where do you start, right? If you are a person who wants dark roast, that process might actually be simpler because what you're looking to do is to heat the beans to a temperature where the skins break a little bit and you get a greasy, darker color. That's very distinct smell. I'm not going to give anybody my opinion. I'm not going to do it. That is a very distinct way to drink a coffee is dark roast. And most machines can actually do that pretty successfully. Besides dark roast, let's kind of like boil it down 101 here because I think we're going a little sidetrack here. Sure. Let me ask you this. What's your favorite color of coffee to drink? What do you like? Well, I like to have obviously like a dark brown with a little bit of the silver skin that's inside. So when I talk about the silver skin is a little bit of the leftover parchment that's wedged between like that little line that's in the coffee bean. I like to prefer that type of roast. Like I'm more of a medium to dark. But let's kind of, let's scale back and let's say someone wants to, they bought green coffee, Guatemalan green coffee, and they want to get a medium roast. Okay. So with medium roast, um, generally speaking, what you want to do is find the area between noises that come out of all beans called cracking. Now cracking is when the parchment will actually break while the bean is expanding. Coffee beans actually grow in size and lose weight, very much like popcorn, as a matter of fact. So the first crack will indicate when you are just getting to the point where the bean has expanded past the parchment. And when that happens, the parchment will come off, it will create chaff. The sweet spot is a phrase that I heard a number of years ago, which is between the first and the second crack. And the second crack is where the outside of the bean will actually break, allowing oils from inside the bean to come out. That is ultimately the largest expansion on the bean that you'll get, and that's where you go into dark roast. Now, personally, I like going in that sweet spot. I like something just a little bit past the first crack. They're very distinct noises, by the way. Yes. Yeah, the first crack and the second crack definitely have their distinct noises. At first, you'd be like, it sounds the same. But the more practice that you get, then you'd be like, aha, okay. Yeah, let's see, what's a good comparison? If you were to take a cement mixer and take down the noise, the first crack would be like putting pebbles in the cement mixer and having it go slowly, that kind of rolling noise. The second crack sounds as if you put thumbtacks in the same thing, 
really higher pitch and much faster. You get much faster noise out of it. Again, somewhere in between that is where I like to be. And generally, I'll try to standardize my roast so we can taste the difference between coffees. That's one of my favorite things, right? That's really interesting how you describe the first crack and the second crack. For me, I I think of the microwave popcorn. That's what I think of. Like you said, it, coffee beans are just like popcorn How they with the expansion. So with the first crack, I hear like slow popping, like pop, 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 pop. And then it fades away. And during that sweet spot time that you're talking about is when that is more into the medium roast, but then it's going to eventually transition into the dark roast stage where you're going to hear a pop, 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 just like the popcorn getting close to its time to be finished where you're hearing pop, 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 pop. It's like back to back popping because of those beans expanding and the oils coming out. So that kind of gives you an indication of when second crack comes through. So that's how I think about it too. But I've never really heard someone describe the way you describe first and second crack. It's pretty intriguing. It might be a little old school. I'm just saying I might, I might be a little, a little old, maybe just saying. I mean, you're 56 now. I'll take it. You know, I'm vertical. I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) The first crack and second crack, those are kind of like the ways you can learn. Temperatures are variable. With a lot of coffee, what you're trying to achieve, again, this is subjective because it depends on how or what you're using to roast coffee. There is different variables when it comes to roasting on what device that you use. You can measure the temperature on a popcorn popper if you wanted to with one of those electronic guns. Yeah. It's not going to be super accurate because what happens is if you try to use one of those, you're not really getting the bean temperature. You could be hitting the side of a cylinder that's inside. So it's not really going to give you an accurate reading. You could... Modify a probe in it. I've seen home roasters where they put a modified probe into their popcorn maker and do it that way. You can do that to get more of an accurate reading. But honestly, it's like if you really want to get in depth with that, you need to get the popper from Sweet Maria's. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. That's the thing, right? Temperature is important, especially for the device you're using. Yes. The downside of the popcorn popper, something you would not, not the popper device. I like the popper device. I think it has a lot of positives. But the downside of the old school hot air popcorn popper is you can't really judge temperatures. You're guessing. Well, that's exactly it. With a cast iron skillet, with a popcorn popper, if you're starting out with those two devices, getting the temperatures and reading the temperatures on that you're not going to get a very accurate reading unless you dive into something where i think the fresh roast has i don't know if it has a temperature reader on that or i think they have like a where you could put a probe in and you could read the temperature on the fresh roast there is somewhere in there i've i've seen them discussing discussing temperature there's got to be a way there's got to be something that way but i know as far as if you get into the genie or the be more and more those kind of roasters that would give you more better accurate readings when you get into the machines like the be more the sonofrescos 
Even the hot top. Even by the, the way. hot top, yeah. You can get more accurate readings with those type of home roasting devices that you can read the temperatures and get more of an accurate reading on how you're roasting your coffee. In reality, you can get an idea of how the temperatures are. So the baseline would be, maybe Tim, you might agree or disagree, but jump in whenever you feel like it. When you're roasting coffee, there is going to be something where you're going to put the green coffee in and the temperature, your device is going to be hot. It's mm -hmm. going to be super hot. You're going to put green coffee beans in, depending on the temperature of the green coffee, which it should be room temperature. But when you put those green coffees in, you're going to see a dip into the temperature. Yeah. Right. And so the green coffee would make the roaster, whatever roasting device, drop in temperature, the bean temperature what we're talking about. The bean temperature will drop and then you're going to have what's called a rate of rise where the temperature is going to start climbing and that temperature is going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing. So ideally, on average, you get to see the transition that's happening with going from green to the light brown, the cinnamon stage, when you're at about 300 degrees, about 320 degrees into the roasting process. And it's going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing. And then it's going to get to a point where you're probably around 375, 400 degrees that it's going to start evening out the temperature. So think about a graph. The, it's going to dip. It's going to rise, and then you have what's called the curve. And that curve is going to happen where you're going to see a stability with the temperature around 375, 400. And it's going to kind of cruise to that point, and depending on what roast you're going to achieve. Now, ideally, if you're trying to get into light roast, you want to be around between 405 to 415 for an ideal light roast medium roast you want to be around 415 430 and if you want to achieve a dark roast you want to be around 430 to about 440 degrees see it's a good guideline but i don't think i agree i think it's less for me i found and but again this is all about devices for me i don't know if i agree but it's all about the machines you use well yeah it's right? a variable right i'll tell you that what was really interesting about the hot top and one of the highlights of that machine that i was a big fan of was you could see the drop you could see the rate of rise you could see the curve and you could see the flat at the top you could see all of those things on a screen right in front of you it talked about that but it also gave you a readout of the temperatures and what's really interesting is when i made the move from the hot top into a two kilogram drum roaster, the temperatures were almost exactly the same. We would see consistent first crack, my experience, at about 375. That first crack would develop in the middle of the curve and would go up to about 385. Then it would stop, we'd be in the sweet spot. A sweet spot could go all the way up to 405 and then we'd start hearing second crack at four, about 4.05. It's interesting that my temperatures were less and lower than yours. Very interesting. I mean, it'll be fun to actually get on the Primo and see what they do. Absolutely. You know, again, 
it's subjective depending on game isn't it it's a great game to play it it is it (laughs) temperatures are going to be subjective but really what the basis is with all this and all the information that we're given is just basically a guide into what we suggest uh what the you know talked about the pros and the cons of each device kind of giving you an idea of how the roasting process we dived in a little bit of the roasting theory and the roasting process i mean not all Home roasters or commercial roasters that are going to agree with me. But, again, subjective. No, that's the thing. And, you know, I'm drinking your coffee. So, you know, it works. It's great. You know, more power to you. I want to talk about things that are misconceptions in being a home roaster. One of the very common things I hear about misconceptions is, how do I roast this coffee? We get into social medias. I'm, I'm a number of different groups. And it's really hard for me not to jump in there and try to sound like a know-it-all when I have somebody go in and say, well, I just got, I just got this coffee with a 12% moisture rate out of Guatemala. How do I roast it? Well, what do you mean, how do you roast it? How do I, you know, how far do I go? Where are the temperatures? You know, the thing about coffee that I love is that it's a personal experience. This is why we have had different methods and practices to get to where we are and why we work so well together because it's personal experiences. It's the memory and experience of of where you want your coffee to go. I had to experiment for almost 10 years to get an idea of what I wanted in a cup of coffee, let alone the fact my tastes have changed. There is no fixed way to roast a coffee. May I jump in? Yeah, please. You touched a very good base because a lot of people who are starting out home roasting, they're going on YouTube, they're they're researching with Facebook groups and anything and everything that's home roasting. They go on Google, research these things that, you know, people are so dependent on graphs. And there's nothing wrong with graphs. I think you and I agree on that. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Completely. Tim and I choose not to go with a graph profile because we have a feel and we've had experience with many different coffees that... We just don't think that the graph is necessary, and that's not how it should be defined. Would it give us a great reading on how our profiles are? Absolutely. Would it give us a guide on what to do the next time we do the same coffee? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But But starting out in home roasting, you don't need to worry about graphs. It's really about having fun and experimenting. It really is. I agree 100%. It's a learning curve. You could put in a... (laughs) <laughs> what did I do? I I remember the first batch I truly burned was on a commercial roaster with uh, uh, over Mr. Green Beans where I roasted a, uh, it was 10 pounds of coffee from Bali. And I was trying to achieve a dark roast, but it got a little too dark and we dropped it. It was black and oily. It was disgusting. But it's the learning curve. You can get a coffee. You might screw up on it. That's okay. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to make a mistake. It's the learning process. It's really understanding the bean and the bean behavior and understanding the roasting process in general, no matter what coffee you use. It's having fun, understanding, and learning about that. Don't focus on, you don't really need to focus on, like, yeah, you need to focus. If you're a commercial roaster, yeah, focusing on the moisture loss is important because you need to know about your shrinkage as a business owner. Right. Absolutely. But as a home roaster, you don't need to really worry about moisture loss. You don't need to worry about graphs. You don't need to worry about achieving a certain 
cupping note. It's the fun of it. If you roast coffee, it tastes good, then you win. You, you win. You absolutely win. Uh, I think that's exactly where I'm going. Like People misunderstand what roasting is. It is not a defined one-way science. It is an experience. There's a reason why I sit across the table from somebody I genuinely like and have a lot of respect for because you have experimented for three years to get to where you are now. You can't substitute. Well, you've been experimenting for what? For, oh. for almost 40? Yeah, 40 years. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> honestly, it's don't let the graphs, don't let the moisture, and don't let the cupping notes and the cupping score define you. If, if you want to try out a coffee, roast it, and you make a great cup of coffee, that is a win right there. And yes, there is some science that does apply when it comes, obviously, like we could talk about malleard effect and all that stuff. That's part of science. And sure, there is science that you can learn about and learn about how coffee trees and all that grow. But at the end of the day, you're roasting coffee for yourself at home. Yeah. Does it taste good? Is the coffee tasting good? If the coffee tastes good, you, you enjoy, win. you win. You win. Exactly. Yeah, like that's the whole point. I mean, what are we if not coffee nerds who love to drink coffee, right? Exactly. There's no fixed way to roast coffee. There are so many different ways to do it. That's why it's an artisan prospect. It's something that you can use your creative energy with. It's something you can, I heard somebody once use creative juice as a as a descriptor, yeah. right? You know, I, and I get juiced up whenever I'm watching other people roast because they do things differently. They do things differently. I love watching people roast differently. I love doing that. And one of the most fun things that I have is using different machines. Love doing that. Yeah, that, whether you're using a commercial machine or just a home roasting machine, like the popper, like I talked about earlier. Love the popper. Well, I it's do. It's great. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think this has been a really good segment. I think we dived into a lot of it for part two. And for everybody who's listening out there, if you have any questions and you want to reach out, and if there's something we haven't touched based on, we could probably dive into this subject again. But I think for this segment of part two, we dived into a lot of information. It's a lot to digest. And thank goodness you can listen to this on the Anchor FM platform. You can listen to all streaming platforms. You can replay it over and over again. So if there's something you're missing out, go ahead and replay it. Well, and don't forget, we can always be real life too. If somebody wants to call us or email us. And you can definitely reach out to us at hello at droptemp.coffee. That is our email for the podcast show. You can send us an email if you have any questions when it comes to learning how to get into home roasting if you are a home roaster yourself and maybe running into some issues and maybe there's something that you're doing that you're not sure of and you want feedback, give us a holler or even stop by the shop. Yeah, uh, absolutely yeah. stop by the shop. That's the thing. Everybody that is at that shop will love to talk to you. Yes, I love talking to home roasters. As a matter of fact, I had a gentleman come in today because he heard from another home roaster that we were offering green coffee for people to roast coffee at home. He came by, he got some coffee, and he just got a popper too. Yeah, that's great. He had a friend of his who told him, hey, man, you should be roasting your own coffee, and he's going to experiment with it. I don't know how well it's going to be, but, you know, uh, 
I, I love connecting with home roasters and sharing my knowledge because they're learning and I want to give them that knowledge. And so if they can achieve an amazing roast, we, we can give them the guidance and tools to do that. So if you are in Hillsboro or nearby the Hillsboro area in Oregon, give us, stop by the shop or uh, email us, whatever. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Definitely. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up for today. I think we covered a lot. It's a great, it's a great show. Absolutely, it is. We have enough to actually get get this a complete episode. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Um, end with shout outs. Shout outs. Okay, so shout out again to uh, Dan Welsh and his crew over at World Cup Coffee for allowing us to use a machine when we really needed it. Thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate it. Thank you. My shout out is to Mark and Renee Bennett of Bennett Urban Farm Stores and then Bennett Coffee Roasting Company or yeah. Bennett Coffee Company. Uh, Mark and Renee, local uh, coffee roasters here in town, and they're amazing people. Mark allowed me to roast on his sweet Diedrich in his like little coffee shed there. So uh, thank you, Mark and Renee, for allowing me to roast on the machine when our machine was down for maintenance. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for a great show. Thank you so much for listening, guys. If you have a chance, please leave a review. Please. Please leave a review. Rate the show. Tell us how we're doing. If we're doing great, we're doing crappy. So. I just want to hear good (laughs) reviews. I don't want to hear any, no bad reviews. No, I'm joking. I mean. You know, if if we can improve, tell us. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the whole point of a review, right? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the whole point of roasting because people will tell you how to do it better. You know what? I have an idea, Tim. What? I think I have a genius idea. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to challenge our listeners to a contest. Okay. How about this? If we can get... I'm going to be ambitious here. I'm going to say if we can get 10 reviews, 10 reviews by our following episode, which is going to be, let's see here. Today, let's see. If we can get it for, if we can get 10 reviews by March 9th, we will give away coffee to a random drawing. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'm absolutely in. You want to get a half pound of both of our coffees? I think that's a great idea. Isn't that great, guys? You get free coffee from Tim and I. If we get 10 reviews by March 9th, we will do a drawing, and whoever wins will get coffee from Tim and coffee from me. 100% absolutely yes. 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 So in order for you to enter in, leave the review, Email us, hello at droptempcoffee.com. Let us know that you left a review and give us your name and a good email so we can contact you in case you are the winner. We promise to keep all that information private. We will not give that information away. No, we would not give that information away. And the deadline is Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. Get a review. Get coffee. Bang. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, and we will uh, talk to you next week.